Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff, and today I have a really special guest. I have tour production manager. He's worked with Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, St. Vincent, Sia, Brandy Carlisle, and many others, Javier Alcaraz. How are you doing, Javier? Fantastic, Cliff. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm super excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having <laughs> just, me. Yeah, just you being in the touring business and you know that first conversation we had, I already know this is going to be a this is going to be a fun show. So I'm super excited to take and dive into it. Really quick, before I announce the topics, I got to do like mm-hmm. I always do. I got to shout out all the listeners and all the social media followers. Thank you guys for continuing to like, share, subscribe, spread the word about the same show. I see you guys. I hear you guys. I was even waking up to some text messages about the show. So, you know, thank you, everybody, (laughs) for continuing to show your love and support for the same show. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at the same underscore show again same underscore show s-a-n-e underscore show and then you can find us on facebook the same show again on facebook that's the same show so today we're going to be talking about being a production manager again that's what you do javier Mm -hmm. so i know you'll be able to speak a lot to that and then following that conversation we're gonna have a conversation about clubs to arenas and Mm -hmm. stadiums so super excited to talk about that. And then following the conversation, I'm going to ask you some interview questions so that me and the listeners can learn more about you, your time in the business, and also the fun things that go along with that as well. So let's hop right into it. Sure. Being a production manager, again, I, I'm familiar with the touring business, more so from a promoter standpoint and also as a booking agent for music artists and you know i learned a lot talking to you as far as being a production manager especially really getting that insight as to what you guys do and and obviously for anybody that knows the business we know that there's a lot that goes into the shows there's a lot of different moving pieces and i wanted you if you could give give the listeners a little bit of insight into being a production manager, especially when we talk about these large scale shows that we typically hear about in the arenas and the stadiums. Yeah, well, being a production manager, it's it's all built on experience. You know, I, I know we're going to touch on clubs to, to theaters, to arenas, to stadiums and stuff. But just coming up in the music business, being on tour, I was I was an audio engineer. I was a monitor engineer for a very, very, very long time. Most of my career, actually. And just being on stage, being in the rooms, being on in the venues, being part of the crew, being with the band, all of those experiences just kind of build that knowledge base that you need to put you in the position to take on a role like production manager. As a production manager, I, for if some of your listeners, listeners don't know, very much in charge of, of logistics and, and budgeting and the real basic fundamentals is just getting gear and crew from point A to point B, loading in the show, getting it up in four, six, eight hours, 12 hours, whatever it might take, getting it to the people, 
and loading it right out and, and moving on down the road. So it takes, it takes some time through your career to kind of build up that knowledge base to really understand how all the pieces work, how all the, all the crew, all the interaction, all the, the venues, the load-ins, load-outs, time, union, labor, everything, everything. So it's a challenging career, but I love it. I, I truly do. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as you were talking, one of the things that came to mind for me that I, especially, again, going back to our first conversation, because I, I just thought of it and. You know, again, because part of it is that I've been removed from from the touring business for a few years now. And so I've gotten I've forgotten a few things. And so one of the things that you reminded me of is that it's not just the day of the show, because that's how I was thinking of it when I came into the conversation. But one of the things I found really fascinating, though, is the the, the things that go on before or that happened before the planning because especially you were talking to me about like the aesthetics and Mm -hmm. you know the experience and you know how artists have certain themes and like that stuff was just so cool if you could like tell the listeners a a little bit about that part when it comes to actually planning for the tour sure i'll 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 touch on two artists that i work with i work with saint vincent i've worked with saint vincent for many many years way back to I think her second album we actually go even further back than that we have a, a a long history pretty interesting connections but working with St. Vincent and then working with with an artist like Sia both of them very 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 artistic very hands-on and for this last St. Vincent project I actually went to her, went to her house went to her home studio and and listened to a couple of tracks that she was working on for her her last record um, before we launched the tour. And she had some ideas. She's like, I really love this record. I really love the flow of the actual record, the from beginning to end, the way that she laid out the songs in a certain order. She was, she felt that this was a piece, one cohesive piece of, of art, of music. And she said, I want to do the whole show as the record from top to bottom. I want to play it as I intended it to be listened to. And so when you're presented with that, you have boundaries that you have to play with. You have to flow with, you have to kind of have to flow with their ideas and say, okay, well, the immediate thing that I think of when I, when someone presents something like that to me is, well, an album's about 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes or so, which is great. But you have about another 45 minutes of show that you have to produce. I mean, you have to put together 90 minutes worth of show for the audience, at least. Hopefully two hours, and sometimes they even go further than that. So I said immediately, I'm like, great, your album's about 45 minutes. Now we have to figure out the other half of the show. What are we going to do? <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you do? You know, you right. have a great concept of from beginning to end as the album is was intended to be heard but now what so we brainstormed she had a creative director that she was working with as well and and other creative team members and we kind of threw some stuff against the wall and we said well why don't we do a journey from beginning to end why don't we do from song 1 and all the way through to now. So what we opted to do is do the show in two parts. 
with a, a transition in the middle. So what we did is we did a really organic, really texturized show that started, and um, I should also preface this, that it was a solo show. She wanted to do mm. a one person solo show. And she said, if hip hop can do it, if Kanye can go out and do it, <laughs> I want to do it, you know? And I said, well, you're more hip hop than anyone I know. So let's do this. You yeah. Know? And if I hadn't just come off of a Sia run where that show is also a solo performance, there are dancers and other elements, but musically it's a solo performance with Sia. I would have been a, a, a little a little shy to like take on a project like it's a solo performance and it's in chronological order. That's a big, tall task. And so what we did is we just went from kind of beginning to end. We touched on each record in, in order as they were released and she played a song or two from each and the stage progressed in an artistic way. It started with her just in, actually in front of a curtain. The curtains just slowly opened up for each song, each song and peeled away and peeled away and, and showed more of the stage. And it was a really creative, really uh, artistic approach. But these are things, these are challenges that you're given as a production manager to say, here's my vision as an artist. I need it to work. I need my vision to be heard and seen the way that I see it in my head. And working with a creative team, working with your audio team, working with your lighting team, working with your scenic design team, all of visual video arts and, and all of that stuff, you have to kind of be the quarterback there to, to make sure that everything is the way your artist wants it to be. And the same with Sia, very similar uh, with Sia as well, is that she has amazing creative ideas. I mean, there are some things that are that she presents to us that I'm just in awe of her approach. And it is very well thought out and very well presented to, to us and saying, here is what I want it to look like. And here's how I want it to sound like. And here are all the elements that I want in the show. And you take that big bag of ingredients and, and you go to work. You go to work. And keeping that cohesive thread, keeping that artistic integrity is, is, is important. And I mean, there are a lot of elements to a production manager in terms of you waking up on the bus, being, being, going, in the, going in the building, loading in, doing the show and all that stuff. That's the grind. But there is so much before you ever hit that loading dock, the, the months of rehearsals and then the creative and production meetings, even months before that in, in order to get to rehearsals. So it's a long, long process. We're usually some of the first ones called for a tour. You know, you got your creative team, you got your record label, you got your management team, you got your production manager and your tour manager, usually the first ones on, at the round table to, to talk this through talk of production through man i swear that doesn't ever get old hearing that stuff that sounds, oh, no, no, that sounds no. so it, cool. it never I gets old just... doing it never gets old doing yeah it. <laughs> it never does all right we're back i know you you want to kind of touch on this in the last segment 
So we're going to go ahead and get to it. We're going to talk about clubs to arenas mm-hmm. and stadiums. Yeah. And again, just when I was talking to you and and just learning about your experience, obviously it's, it's the same with most people in the business. You start somewhere and then you work your way up to a certain point. And like just when I was listening to you and you illustrated in that journey, it really just let me say wow because i i know a little it, for me having done a little bit of mixing for mm-hmm. for live events and i remember my mentor that taught me how to do that telling me about the different aspects when it comes to a stadium or an arena it's, it's so much more so really wanting to you know have a conversation with you and, and really learn about the the complexities and the differences when we talk about smaller venues and your big thousand seaters mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, arenas mm-hmm. and stadiums. Sure. Whenever I get presented a project, I really think of scale scalability. Like how are we going to be able to scale this? Most of my peers and you know, most of the crew guys that and girls that are out there, like we've all come from clubs. We've all come from the grind. Mm-hmm. You know, we did theater. <laughs> We've done it all. And so you kind of understand where you came from. Hopefully you never forget where you came from. And, Isn't and that the truth? <laughs> those, uh, yeah, those small dressing rooms or those tough load-ins or loading in through the front door of the venue in the cold and the snow or whatever. You know, all, all of those things, they, they sit with you and, and they're part of your history and part of, part of your base knowledge, like I was saying earlier. When you're given a project, or I should say, when I'm given a project, I really look at it. It's like, are we going to be able to scale this? Understanding that, especially in, in this corporate marketplace that we're in, you may have large scale artists. I mean, you could have any scale of artists be able or, or asked to do a hundred or two hundred person show in a club, or you're selling out arenas on arena run, or you're asked to go and scale up your show to do Coachella which is tens of thousands of people or a stadium stage or a festival stadium stage or opening up for someone on a stadium show. There are so many different types of shows. Again, trying to keep your, your through line, your creative line, your, your identity through all of that and still be able to scale your show to go from a small club all the way up to some of the largest festivals in the world. And really understanding how it all works and making sure that you don't paint yourself into the corner early, early, early on. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I touched base on, on St. Vincent earlier. It, it was a project I had my hands in early, early, early on. And when Annie, who St. Vincent, Annie Clark, when she uh, presented the show and, and we were kind of sketching out after we did our solo run, we had we were already talking about the second leg of the tour, which was going to launch at Coachella, and it was going to be a band show. So we did two, basically we did two different runs on the album cycle. One being a solo club theater tour, the next one being a band, more themed towards a festival. But I knew that we were going to take this band festival package into smaller rooms. It's just a given. You're, you're going to be presented with that. So I sat down with my stage manager and I said, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at Coachella as the launch. 
and then we're going to have to go into possibly clubs. We're going to have to fly this to Japan. We're going to have to fly it to Europe. We're going to have to fly it to South America. We know we're going to have to move this package around and we're going to have to keep it on theme. And so sat down with the lighting director, creative director, and we sketch, sketched out some elements. And, and we, meaning my stage manager and I, had some very strict protocol that we wanted to adhere by, which was we wanted everything to roll, quickly deploy from backstage and roll onto stage for festivals, but also to be able to load into a club or a theater easily without set pieces being massive or too big to mm -hmm. go through a stage door or too heavy to go through a freight elevator or, or all of those elements. So, you know, you got a lot of people sitting down at yeah. a table going, okay, I, you know, we need it to be like this, the engineering types. And then the creative types are like, well, we want it to be big and grand and loud and bright and all this stuff. And so you just kind of work back and forth. A lot of custom fabrication, a lot of prototypes where you just working with different designs and you, know, you bring in your vendors and, and you look at, will this work? Will this not work? Can this fly? Can it fit on a, on a plane to fly over to wow. um, Europe or whatever? <laughs> so there's a lot of literally sitting there with a measuring tape, pad and pencil, and, and we're just going to town. We're really, really working out those details. And can it all fit into set cards? Set cards mm -hmm. are 40... 45 inches across, something like that. I'd have to look at my notes. I can't remember. It's been so long. Um, you know, uh, and so all of these elements are key to be able to kind of like, it kind of reminds me of like those pop-up books that you had as a kid, you yeah. know, where you turn the page and it's, it's nothing. It's flat. It's a flat right. piece of paper. And then you unfold it and it's like, boom. And then sometimes you had little tabs, you know, you had moving elements and all that stuff. And those were so amazing to me as a child. I, I always, I love those, that and Legos and kind of like all of those things that you could kind of build on and, and take apart and put back together and, and come up with something creative. And that's kind of what we do. You know, you kind of fold it all up, you put it in a truck or you put it in an airplane, you send mm -hmm. it on its way and you'd be amazed on what can come out of a truck if you're really, really creative with the uh with the design one truck two trucks 50 trucks i don't know depends on, <laughs> on what you have when you were talking about the set pieces being able to roll on and off and, mm -hmm. and then also you know, suitable for not just the festival but for uh, a multitude of venues yeah i was yeah. thinking nascar um like when they when they go into the pit stop in sure, the, or it pit area and yeah. you got the guys they they come take the tires off so i'm just imagine like the needing to have operate at such a highly efficient level in get in and get out kind of thing it it is it is yeah. we're really we're really up against a clock i mean it's like walking mm -hmm. in to a venue and just taking that uh, hourglass and flipping it on end and just watching that sand just go the doors are going to open the show's going to happen and the artist is going to be there for sound check and, and you're just constantly racing against that clock to make sure right. that you are hitting all those marks, all the marks. I mean, you, yeah. the marks of like making sure everyone's fed, making sure people are able to rest and, and some of your crew be able to take a shower or break off and do just, just the basic things, you know, or maybe have 10 minutes to, 
call your wife or your husband or your family or whoever it may be just to check in and say hi. You need to be able to balance all of that. And I believe strongly in that and being able to have a work environment that balances all of that. I mean, no one wants to be driven just into the ground. No one wants that. You know, I don't want that for myself. And so I would never want that for my team either. Yeah. And, you know, I was I was thinking about this in a previous segment. Again, we talk about all the things that go into a production show, maybe 90 minutes. But just think about the work that it takes to put it together the day of and then the amount of time and planning that goes into it well ahead of it actually happening. Yeah. Well ahead of. Yeah. Well ahead of. (laughs) Months, months and months and months and months and months. I mean. It's crazy the amount of ideas that are thrown around. Wardrobe, color palettes, gosh, lighting design, video creation. Video creation takes a huge amount of time to do and to Mm. present. I mean, just to create and maybe if you're fortunate to actually have the budget to be able to shoot your own footage and do all of that, that's amazing. Sometimes you have to use some kind of stock footage or or you know generated footage or something like that but just the time that it takes to get all of that done i remember on on, on i think it was on demi shot a lot of video a lot of a lot of uh, show footage prior to the tour and there was one segment i believe it was the intro segment where it was kind of like a play on a little bit of backstage kind of thing that happened and then and then Demi appeared and we realized, I think maybe a quarter into the tour that Demi changed her hair color, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so we had like a brunette Demi on the screen <laughs> that was a play on this, on, on what you're about to see in the show. But what is actually going to appear was a blonde Demi. And we're like, uh, uh, kind of that short circuit in your brain going, what do we do? We didn't plan for that. Right. <laughs> we didn't plan for them to say, I'm going to be blonde today. And we're just like, um, gosh, what do we do? How do we work with this? And obviously you just go with it. I think maybe we kind of focus in a little too much on those elements going, yeah. you know, uh, the audience just loves the show and they just want to get into it. So, I think they could care less if, you know, <laughs> those little nuances, but those are little things that you work so, yeah. so closely on because you mm-hmm. are doing a, you are doing wardrobe and you are doing glam and you're all doing those things for a, for a film shoot or a photo shoot. That's I'm talking months in advance before you hit that stage. And so kind of learned my lesson from that, like really cre- <laughs> having a creative through line in, in, in those elements. If you're going to have mm-hmm. the artist's imagery on, on stage or in a video or something like that, that if you want it to be on theme, then you need to think about that way, way, way in advance. If it doesn't need to be on theme, then fine. You could, you could run with it however you want. All right, now for the interview, going to go ahead and ask you some questions, Javier, so that mm-hmm. you know we can get a little bit more insight to what you do and your journey as well, and sure. all the fun things is, that come along with that. So my, my first question to you, what tour do you think had the most control in formation? And did you find it creatively 
satisfying? In control, you mean in like what was what was kind of dictated to me and or, or, yes. or parameters? Mm. Yes, mm. I would say there are very, very, very strict parameters working with Sia. There's no two ways about it. Like we all understand Sia's vision, and you have to be on board with that. And there are very, very strict. Just this is the way it's done. Not necessarily, I would say, the process, but the end result. The end result has to be a certain way, which is very challenging, very, very challenging and, and kind of hard to wrap your head around at first. But for me, when you have a very specific end product that you're trying to reach, let's just say it's like cooking and you've already tasted the chef's meal, you're like, it needs to taste exactly like this. You're not creating it from, you know, out, out of thin air. You know it has to look like this and it has to taste like this. And so you have kind of a, a map of how to get there. You know, you know, okay, there's this much salt in it, this much, this much pepper, blah, blah, blah. You know, so you know where it has to go. So in some ways, you don't have to guess. You don't have to say, mm, I think it should be blue or I think it should be pink or I think the curtain should come down here. No, it's already been dictated. It's already been, you've already been told this is how the show is going to look. So now it's really up to us to create that and, and to implement that, to deploy that. The challenging part there is sometimes those elements are extremely difficult. Just really being able to execute at that tolerance, that, that minute detail is difficult because you are trying to make it exactly like that chef's plate. You know, you're trying to make it exactly like that. Not just that, you're trying to do that, <laughs> same metaphor, in a different kitchen every day for a different audience or for a different uh, every day. And it's always different. There's always a curveball thrown at you, but you have to keep that show exactly the same day in and day out. And I'm talking some stuff. I mean, we're within inches on a SIA show. I think everyone that's on that stage walks around with a measuring tape. I mean, everyone. <laughs> we have our wardrobe team had photographs basically just plastered backstage or in their wardrobe cases, or they had a book that they would reference of how the costumes absolutely had to look on a daily basis, especially if we had a, a replacement wardrobe person come in or something like that. They had to study the book and understand how it looked because there were so many layers and elements to dancer wardrobe and, and everything. You know, there were some performances where the leotards that they were performing on were long. Sometimes they were short. It's so many just small details that had to be specifically done a specific way. So mm -hmm. we had a map. We had a very, very, uh, we had a map. <laughs> we had a <laughs> Actually, to tell you the truth, you know, I, I know for a fact my stage manager, uh, we worked, cl we've worked closely for many, many, many years. But on that one, he literally had a binder and it looked like an NFL playbook. It was just every song, 
what the look was, what the stage looked like, what the colors were, everything that that happened, all the props that went out, all the people that were on stage, everything and every song had a different look. And it's a, it's a lot to check off. It's a lot to yeah, check that's... off. So in something like that, yes, it, it is it is challenging to have those confines that you have to work within, but it's also rewarding because you know you're not you're not shooting in the dark. You're you're guessing. You're not guessing at all. Uh, on other yeah. tours, you're guessing. You're kind of like, oh, can we do this? <laughs> Maybe this works. Maybe this doesn't. Let's kind of push a little here, push a little there. You know, and sometimes the shows kind of evolve as you go along. Sometimes you're able to hit it out of the park right out of rehearsals. You know, you never know. But on a SIA uh, tour, you're coming out of rehearsals 100%. 100% you're walking out that door, there is next to no change uh, once you hit that stage. It is the same, and it will be the same for every single show all around the world, no matter what, always. Wow, that's <laughs> something serious. And very, it's very uh, serious. And very respectful, too, from a, from a creative standpoint. Absolutely. You know, many artists, they make quite a bit of money touring, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. obviously due to the pandemic, the touring business has taken a hit. How do you see the industry adapting to this? This is such a tough question because I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting at home now. I, I haven't been able to, I was scheduled to go out on a tour that left in uh, March. And um, yeah, it was pulled. There's a hundred percent of the business is just, you know, sitting at home. Obviously the, there's a move right now to go towards you know, which we've seen like a Zoom style, digital style, online style, Instagram, Facebook Live, like all of these types of performance possibilities for artists. They all have their own challenges. But let's be honest. I mean, the main thing is, is an audience. It's an audience in, in front of the artist. That, that's the biggest challenge. I, I, I think... I mean, I know they're doing driving concerts right now, which is actually sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> to be. Yeah, honest. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, this sounds <laughs> um, interesting. <laughs> it, it, it'd be, you know, if I if I owned a pickup truck, I'd be I'd be right there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I would back that truck right up with a cooler and some some chairs. I'd be that kind of sounds like the best way to see a show. To be quite honest. Um, yeah, seriously. But uh, I wish I knew, man. It's it is such. A tough call. There are so many of us. I mean, you know, me and the crew guys will will get on a call and we'll chat, do a little Zoom catch up or or something like that. And, and everyone's just like, so what's going on? Any thoughts? Any ideas? And it's happening across the industry at all levels. The AEGs and the Live Nations to just crew guys sitting at home going, well, what am I going to do next? And I don't know the answer. I wish I did. What I'm hoping happens is that there's a lot of great music that comes out of this time frame. Yeah. And I think there is. I think there's, you know, artists are artists. Artists are always going to create. And, and there's always that, that vicious cycle of, uh, you know, you, you do a project, you, you do an album cycle, and then you take it out on tour. So, you know, let's just say you're in the studio for a year or so, give or take. And then you go out for 16, 18, 24 months on a tour to promote it, to promote that album cycle. And then you're right back in the studio. In fact, you've probably already started recording and started working on the next album while you're out on the road 
on the last project. And it's just this, we say this vicious cycle. I went, I don't know if it's vicious or not. It depends how you approach your, your own work, but it's a cycle. And so with this, there's a lot of artists that obviously, like you said, aren't out touring right now. So I don't know. I'm crossing my fingers that there's a lot of good music that's just going to start just making its way out there and really interesting projects, I'm sure, from home studios, recording studios, you know, interesting approaches to the way of doing things. Then hopefully we'll be able to pack it all into a truck and take it out there. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. I, yeah. I tell you this, I'm hopeful because I, <laughs> you know, I have a love for the touring business and, yeah. you know, I still plan to get back in it at some point yeah. in the future. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all hoping, we're really hoping that it's, that yeah. it, it comes back soon. It's tough. We, you know, when, when, when this last tour got canceled, I, I think we were just put on hold for like a couple of weeks. I think they said, just we're, we're going to hold this. I think it was like seriously like 14 days. They said, we're just mm-hmm. going to postpone the first few shows. We're going to hold, we're not going to, you know, we're just going to push it back. And then it was just like every day was just like got pushed back even further and further and further. And then it's just canceled. And then you just really start seeing things just crumbling around you. I mean, I, I'm not the only one. We're all in this. So yes. <laughs> I'm very aware of what I, what I do, you know, I mean, you know, we take artists out on tour. Uh, we're not necessarily saving lives or, you know, out there teaching, you know, the children of today or anything like that, but it's, it's a hard one. It's a hard one for all of us. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And my, my last question to you, to, I, less, mm-hmm. I guess to <laughs> bring it back to the positive side, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta give us one of your favorite stories from being on the road. So. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna tell it, it, an interesting story. It actually takes me back to uh, day one of what I, in my idea, kind of really changed my career and changed my path in life. And it's actually a really interesting full circle. I was living in San Francisco I went to school there. I went to San Francisco State for, for music and recording, music business and recording. And worked for small sound companies, regional sound companies uh, while I was going to school. And I had, and being in a regional sound company, as, as, as some of your listeners might know that work in the business or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing the gigs. I mean, you, there may be a DJ party at a club. There may be a small cover band at a theater. I mean, there's outdoor little festivals. You, you're taking care of the area. So you pretty much handle the Bay Area. And you're just doing the grind. You're loading in, you're loading out. You're, you know, you're bringing in speaker stacks. You're bringing in mixing consoles, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And so I had a day off. Met up with a buddy of mine. And we were just kind of hanging out. I think we were heading, heading, we were going to go to a movie later on that day. We were just kind of just chilling. It was a, it was a day off mm-hmm. and I get a call and it was my office and they said, Hey, so-and-so called in sick. We have a show at the SF MoMA, the museum of modern art there for, uh, I, I want to say it was a corporate party for Motorola from what I remember. And need you to go down there and take in speakers, mixer, and mix the show and, and do that stuff. And I'm just like, 
it's kind of like my only day off. I really didn't want to do the show. And I'm kind of having this conversation in, in front of my buddy. And he goes, who's the show? What is it? What are you doing? <laughs> and so I asked. I'm like, so what is it? And they're like, well, it's a, it's a show for Motorola. And it's a group called Tuck and Patty. And I had no idea who that was. You know? <laughs> Some of your listeners may not. And that's fine. Yeah, I mean, and so I, I, I kind of whispered to my buddy. I said, it's Tuck and Patty. He goes, are you kidding me? He goes, oh, my God. They're amazing. But he was from, from New York, in theater, musician himself. I mean, was just deep, deep, deep into the arts. And so he says, you have to do that show. And I have to come with you. I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay, okay. And so I called the office back. I'm like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll come into the shop. We'll get the gear. And I'll, I'll be on my way. And so load up the pieces. It wasn't much. It was uh, for those of you who don't know who Tuck and Patty are, jazz duo, married couple. They're actually from the Bay Area. I would say, hands down, the most amazing musicians I've ever worked with. Oh, wow. Following all over the world. They're still touring. If you, if anyone ever gets a chance to catch them, if they're, if they're at your local jazz club or or at a festival or something like that, take the time. They are the real deal. Old school. Tuck plays guitar. Patty sings, and that's it. That's the only instrumentation on stage, and it they will blow your mind. So my buddy was absolutely right when he said, "Hey, you have to do this, and I have to be there." And so he came along. I walk into the, 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 the performance space. Again, it was at SF MoMA. So uh, they had kind of carved out an area for them to play. And I walk in and, and I meet this, this young lady. And I said, uh, I'm supposed to meet Tuck and Patty. I'm supposed to do sound for them today. We have gear in the truck loading in and stuff like that. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my aunt and uncle. They're, they're right over here. And so she took me over to meet them and said hi kind of got the got the lay of the land and ended up mixing the show and doing the show and working with them and at the end of the night patty came up to me and i was very young i was in my early 20s she says have you ever toured before and at that point no mm -hmm. i mean i was just just a kid just you know loading trucks and doing sound when i could and and again doing, just doing the grind just learning mm -hmm. And she says, I, I really like, we really like you. We really like what you're doing. We like your personality. We like your work ethic. And, and if you're interested, we'd love to, to offer you to go on tour. And again, I didn't know who Tuck and Patty were. And so, <laughs> and so I said, that sounds amazing. We exchanged information. I got a call two weeks, three weeks after that. And... It was it was Tuck and Patty and and they and they always whenever they called even to today whenever I chat with them it's always both of them on the line <laughs> so whenever you talk to them you're talking to both of them which is, which is always I found amazing um, that's awesome and so she said we have this European tour coming up here's the information we'd love for you to do it I'd never been to Europe I didn't even own a suitcase I don't think I like not a big suitcase I had a duffel bag <laughs> in my closet somewhere you know. You know, I, I called my mom up and I said, hey, this is happening and stuff like that. And she says, there is no way you're going to get on an airplane and go to Europe with some <laughs> with, a, with these two people that you just met, this jazz duo. There's it's just not happening. And yeah, I said, uh, 
it, this, this seems like a pretty good deal. And she said, no, there's just no way. And I'm like, I mean, come on, mom. I mean, I'm in college. I'm living in San Francisco on my own. I, I think I could handle myself. And uh, she says, I want to talk to them. And, and sure enough, Patty ends up calling my mom and they had a heart to heart and said, okay, what's the deal? <laughs> what's the deal? I want to know where you're taking my son. Where are you, where are you dragging him off to? And I got the thumbs up and we hit the road, man. And I had never experienced anything like that. I mean, we touched down, my first show, we touched down in, in Amsterdam and we did the North Sea uh, Jazz Festival, which turns into the North Sea Music Festival later on, but the North Sea Jazz Festival. And I just remember, you know, like the first day of the lineup that we were there, it was just like Elvis Costello and and the Duke Ellington band and just like all of these um, Herbie Hancock trio. And just like my mind was just yeah. going crazy of all these musicians that were there and on these festival stages. And Tuck and Patty were massive in Europe. And Japan and just all over. And of course, big in the States as well, but mm -hmm. jazz is a little bit more differently respected, I should say, in, in those other markets. And we must have gone around the world, I can't even tell you how many times, uh, <laughs> with them. Uh, you know, I, I think I was with them for three years. Long journey through all of this. The young lady that I met when I walked in to say hi to them, or to meet them, when she said, yes, that's my aunt and uncle, that's actually Annie Clark from St. Vincent. That is, um, wow. Tuck is her uncle. And I remember when we were on the road, uh, I mean, obviously, Annie would come and tour with us. She would spend her holiday breaks and summer breaks, and she would just come out and she, and we would, she would do the grind with us. Like, we're going, we're doing clubs and we're doing shows. And I think we're, we're 10 years apart. She's 10 years younger than me. She's still in high school and, and about to go to college. And we're just out there, just roaming the planet with this jazz duo. And it, it was an amazing experience. And then I, obviously, you know, we kind of all go our different paths. And I went on to do other projects, always kept in touch with Tuck and Patty. And they said, you, you really need to check out Annie's new album when you're in town you know we'll play it for you and i i came by and went by their studio and they played annie's or st vincent's very first album that she had sent to them for for them to just to critique and listen to and, and all that and when i first heard it i was just like wow amazing amazing you know very famous song from that album was called marry me uh, heard that track and it just it, it it blew me away and always texted with Annie, communicated with Annie, emails, whatever, just supported her all the way through and then got an opportunity, got a call from her randomly, I think on her second album. And she says, hey, I'm looking for a tour manager, sound engineer, because the guy that I had had to leave and I'm going to, about to go out on another tour. And she says, do you know anyone? And I said, I just got off tour. I'm home. I said, why don't I come out and do it? And she goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's no way. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just need, I just need someone that could, they were in a van and trailer. Like, she's like, I just need someone that's going to come out and hang out. We're going to, we're going to go do clubs. Kind of like, I just need one person. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go.
like old times. I flew out there. I think we, I met him in Seattle and I got in the van. And when I say it was a van and trailer, I think it was like six or seven of us in this van and with a little trailer attached. And we went and did, you know, 100 person clubs all over the United States and st basically started a whole new cycle of a music career from that. But with wow. a very interesting direct connection to a random phone call walking down the street one day and being convinced to for my buddy to 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 say yes to the show and he and we see each other all the time and he says see man i told you i was right i was right <laughs> you wouldn't be here without wow, me wow 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 <laughs> but it was it's, that it's is... a really interesting those those forks in the road those decisions that you make yeah. the yes or the no's the that you just never know where it's going to take you and man it, it's been an interesting ride through all of that you know but to have those artists Chuck and Patty and Annie you know as as almost family and bookending such a long run of artists in between like you had mentioned like Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato and Sia Brandi Carlisle and all these other artists but I still take into every one of those projects what I learned when I was out with with Tuck and Patty and running in those clubs with Annie Clark kind of next to me just we're just out there doing it full right. circle you look <laughs> you look back at it you're just like wow it's it's an interesting it's like a blink of an eye but it seems like a hundred lifetimes at the same time so yeah it's that's uh, really cool that's, that's my story. really cool. That's, that's a that's, that's, that's a good story. that's a good story. <laughs> it's not trash on any. <laughs> it's a great it's one. No, it's it's <laughs> there's no sneaking in and out of tour buses. None of that stuff. That's just like a, a good old hey. I this is where this is, I did this is not where it started. see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting. I'm, I'm, I was like, where's this going? I was yeah. like, no way. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a, it's really a full circle. Yeah, people don't really realize in in. Right. in a lot of people don't realize that that Tuck Andrus uh, from Tuck and Patty is Annie Clark's uncle, and yeah. people who really, really get into guitar and really understand Annie's playing, and they understand Tuck's playing. And when you say, "Oh, that's her uncle," you just see their the light bulb go off. They're like, "Right, oh mind blown, gosh!" <laughs> like I get it now. Oh. I see it. Like everything about it, the approach, the technique, the everything yeah. and it, it is it's pretty interesting it's That's and it, you know for your listeners if they could if they want to do a deep dive go in do a deep 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 dive and you check out some tuck and patty check out some tuck andrus and and check out some annie clark guitar in fact we were fortunate enough on this last tour that we did we had a run of shows where we had Tuck and Patty open for us on her solo tour oh, uh, which was amazing nice. we actually we actually got the family back together for that's the first nice. time in, in probably 20 years so it was it was great. It was that's great. really cool. Yeah. Man. Well, hey, man. <laughs> we could go on forever. Forever, I swear. <laughs> forever. I mean, your listeners could could turn on. We could just keep on talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yeah, we'll 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 definitely when 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 this is all over. I already know. I will. I want to get with you in person, sit down, talk over some drinks, and you know, just just talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> just talk about it. It's man. always it's, just, it's, it's always, always some, and 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 you know, you and I will will definitely find uh, our own personal connections because you know, yeah, everyone knows everyone, and so I'm sure if we sit down long enough and 
over oh, yeah. a drink bowl, I'm sure we'll be able For to sure. say, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so, and you know so-and-so, yeah. <laughs> And have some more yes. stories about that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, yes. my friend. Yes. Absolutely. It, and again, it's, it's always it's, it's always a pleasure uh, speaking mm-hmm. with you. Definitely enjoyed this. I'm definitely going to have to have you back on the show for sure. Happy to. <laughs> Happy to. There's so much. I, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I kind of just went off on tangents and stuff like that. There's so much technical uh, information that I'm sure, you know, people yeah. would want to know. You know, like true. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Logistical yeah. and and truck packs and, and airplanes and, and, and getting in and out of venues. And we didn't even touch mm-hmm. on any of that. And there's, there's a ton of that stuff. And that, and that, and that's why happy to that's jump why. into there's some a of lot that. more to be discussed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There, I'm happy to talk about that stuff. I just feel like that's sometimes, I don't know. It's not as yeah, interesting yeah, to me because totally. I do it every day, but I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, Hey, uh, thank you. Thank you again. And of course. I'm, I'm going to have to tell your wife, thank you as well. Cause I, you know, she, <laughs> she, she did a huge favor, you know, make, uh, you know, connecting the both of us. So I, so I really appreciate it. And, you know, I'm so mm-hmm. serious about having you back on the show again. Cause Absolutely. you know, it's, I, that's what this whole thing is about. Uh, you know, sharing stories, sharing information and ultimately having great conversations. So yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yes. <laughs> So thank you listeners for continuing to tune in. Make sure to continue like sharing and subscribing. With that being said, you're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out. 